should be an urgency among us who know where the provision is to bring in those that need provision before that darn sun sets. Welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Watching on the stream, watching in the, in the parking lot, watching here in person in the foyer, we welcome you. Don't forget, forget about our daily Bible study. Uh, we do it every single day. It's a morning scripture. We pray every day. You go to YouTube and you can load that up. Uh, we have a little coffee with you and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, let's pray and get right into this, though. Father, I thank you for this time. Open up our hearts to receive your word. It's practical, it's bread, it's manna, it's daily. And Lord, that word becomes part of who we are. I thank you, Father, that your word is also seed, plants deep in the good soil of our hearts, produces life in us and grows us and changes us. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Teach us what we need to know and prepare us for what's coming in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. You can be seated. But today I want to talk to you about where you belong. And so often people say, well, where do I belong? Here. You belong exactly right where you are. This is the spot of the family of God. You belong planted in God's house. And today as I talk, I want to show you that there's a place for the provision of God. And we can be positioned for his provision. And the Satan wants you planted just anywhere. He wants your roots soaking up just anything, as long as it's not in God's house. He'd love to have you soaking up all the worldly things and all the things that are out there that are not good for you. He wants you to soak up the negativity of the news. He wants you to soak up the hatred and the division of this world. He wants you in all that discouragement, all that bitterness. But God wants you planted by those living streams of water where we bear fruit in season. We should not be planted just anywhere in our life. But we want to be planted and positioned where the provision is. In Genesis chapter 22 and verse 14, Abraham coins this very famous phrase in the Bible. It's so Abraham called that place, say place. Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. I say it, Yahweh Yirah. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. There was a place for the provision. You can be a believer and stuck in the wilderness, not seeing the best that God has for you. You could be a believer loving on Jesus, but still have never left Egypt, not experiencing the wells you didn't dig and the cities that you did not build. God said, I will bless you in the land that I have given you. He went to Abraham and he said, Abraham, go to the land I will show you. And so often people are looking for the why and they're looking for the what, but they're not looking for the where. We're looking for why do I exist and what is my purpose? But the where is the prerequisite of that. Adam and Eve were placed in the garden and then they were told to tend the garden. The purpose came after the positioning. There is a proper position for God's provision in your life. Abraham, go to the land where I will show you, and then I will bless you. Look at the, the positioning of God's provision. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And what is it? Well, it is whatever you need it to be. For you today, it might be you need some money. 
It might be you could, you could use a job. It could be that you need a miracle in your health. You got a bad doctor's report. It, for you today, is healing. And on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided, somebody say amen. You might need a breakthrough in relationships, or maybe you're all out of love in your marriage. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It becomes the need that you have. And so to find out really what God is saying, I wanna rewind from this passage that Abraham said, back to the very beginning of this story with Abraham. And it says in Genesis chapter 22 and verse one, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. Abraham said, here I am. And God said, go, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Say only son. So there's, there's going to be a, a metaphor here about God's only son. And Isaac's going to become a picture of who Christ is. Your only son, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Moriah. He goes up on the Mount of Moriah. He was on Mount Moriah when he said the phrase, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Mount Moriah is an interesting mountain. You know where, 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 where it was? It's the same, part, same, same exact square footage that David marked out where God's house would be built. It's the same place where Solomon built the temple of the Lord. God was sending Abraham to church. He went to church before there even was church. Now, if I keep reading, the Bible says that it was a three-day journey. Just like Jesus was in the tomb for three days, in a way, Isaac, God had said, sacrifice him there. Sacrifice your only son, Isaac, on the mountain. And in a way, you could say that, that Isaac was dead for three days, but on the third day, when Abraham got to that mountain, got to that place and prepared the sacrifice, the angel of the Lord stopped him and said, don't you dare do that. Don't you lay a hand on that boy. And then Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the true sacrifice, a ram with its horns caught in the thicket. And God was saying, Abraham, you don't sacrifice your son for me. See, he was differentiating himself of the gods of the day. He was saying, you don't sacrifice your son for me, but I will sacrifice my son for you. And just like Jesus died, and on the third day he rose again in, the, in a figurative manner, Isaac on the first day died, but on the third day was the day that he found his life. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. But it all started with this, Abraham, go to church. It was a three-day, he says he got up early in the morning and they loaded stuff up on a donkey and there was, it feels like going to church already, just thinking about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, this is your day off. Most of you are not working today. And then you got up early in the morning. Some of you showered. Like, what are you doing? Who acts like this? And church right now looks different for all of us. You know, the, the, some, so many of you are gathering today at the Mount of the Lord. Watch it on the stream. That's still gathering. We're still together. So many of you are gathering in the parking lot today. Come on and honk if you love Jesus. That's still gathering. You still come to the mountain of the Lord. But look at how the enemy does not want us in church. It makes it hard. It makes it too far. He doesn't want you at God's house gathering and worship. He's scared to death that you're going to come here and get what it is that you need find what it was that God already provided for you. He doesn't want that. Look at what's happened this year. 
What an attack on the church. Churches closed across America. Some states, the churches are still required to not meet because of this, uh, this satanic coronavirus, this awful attack. And then we look at what's happened with the division. I've never seen so much hatred and division and, and mess in, our, in, our, in my lifetime, in our nation. But this is, what hap- this is what the world looks like when you close church for that long. This is what happens when we stop gathering. What did you think was going to happen when church closed and people couldn't come and worship God together as a gathering? It's an attack. But how many know the gates of hell will not stand against the church? He will not prevail. And what was, what it, what was it that, that Abraham received in this moment? Salvation of his legacy. His, his, leg, his seed was saved when, they, when he saw the lamb of sacrifice, that ram in the thicket. When he saw the, the true sacrifice God had provided, he, had, he received... Imagine the emotional sigh of relief in that moment for Abraham. Now, he had already believed that God would raise Isaac from the dead. It says that in Hebrews chapter 11, even if he had gone through with it. He believed that. He knew that God was good. But still, still imagine the... Why? Because his seed had been saved. His legacy had been preserved. When, when Katie was two years old, I'd check her into the children's church uh, room there, and, and you, she would cry, she would cry. You would think they were sticking thumbnails underneath, or, or thumbtacks under her fingernails or something, the way she would. She would, two years old, she'd just stand at that little half door, <laughs> and it just break my heart. And she's so loud, you could hear her in the foyer. That's a true story. People would be like, man, some kid's really upset. But like, that's my kid. <laughs> She got my singer one day. <laughs> she, was so, she was so loud. And my heart would break for my daughter. But then one day the Lord says, you know, because I was like, well, maybe we'll just keep her with us. And maybe she said, well, I don't know. And, but this is what the Lord said to me. He said, he said you know what they're going to do today? I said, what? He said, they're going to do coloring. They're going to get a Bible lesson. They're going to have bubble time. They're going to sing songs. They're going to get their eyes on me. And I was like, you're right. There's nothing in that arrangement that's worthy of crying. You need to stay. No matter what age, no matter what age we're at where we start to feel like, where our children start to complain. Maybe for, well, I was 15. I didn't want to go to church. Big surprise. I was 15 years old. I didn't want to go to church. I invented all the reasons that I didn't want to. Didn't I, Mom and Dad? I'd tell them all, all the things that were wrong with Well, You know they're not very spiritual in that youth group. You just make stuff up when you're a kid and you don't want to go to church. You just make stuff up. You know, they're all, they're all into drugs. You don't want me in that group. They're all in drugs, Dad. <laughs> You just say stuff, right? I was 15 years old. I don't want to go to church. But here's, let me, let me give you a fact right now. When my dad would see, he, he, he didn't play. He was like, I don't care. Go anyway. Just go. You're going to church. Well, I don't know what you're, what's your point? You're going to church, right? My son last night, just, he, he, he's 13 years old. He said, dad, I'm not really feeling it today. He's got to go play the guitar for the junior high ministry. He's in the band. He's like, I'm not really feeling it. Can I stay home? No, you can't stay home. <laughs> like, who, who do you think you're talking to? I'm preaching on this this weekend. So I explained to them that sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise, but we don't miss even when we don't want to go because we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. There's days I want to go and days I don't want to go, but I still go. Why? Because on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And the voice that wants to keep me out of God's house is not the voice of God. It's a different voice that wants to keep me away. When I was 15 years old, if my dad had, I tell you what, if I, see, I'm the kind of person that needs church every week, just once a week, but I need it every week. 
Because I was wrecked during the week. I was just, I was headed the wrong direction six days a week. And then that other day, I was reminded, keep loving. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't be bitter. Keep forgiving. Obey your parents. Do the right thing. Every week, there was a voice, even for just one hour, even just an hour and a half, getting me back into on target, you're right, you're right, I gotta get it right, I gotta get it right. Monday through Saturday, I'm a mess. Sunday, I'm like, yes, sir, he's got me right. What was God doing? He was preserving my father's seed. He was preserving my father's legacy. And I tell you what, if I needed church, imagine my brother. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, how God saved you. And see, I was, I was a believer. I was a believer, but I still needed God's house. Being a, you can be a believer and stuck in the you can be a believer and stuck anywhere in your life. But I was a believer, but I still needed that, that charge every week. I needed to be in God's house because on the mountain of the Lord, my dad's legacy was preserved. He's a multi-generational God, and Satan is scared to death of your seed and of your legacy. He's scared that what it is that you've built in that business, he wants to destroy it. He wants to destroy everything that you've planted into this earth. It's not just about children. It's about the things that you start. God wants posterity for everything that's under you because whatever is under you is his kingdom. He he, you surrendered your life to him, so everything you have control of is now part of his kingdom. He wants to expand your business so that his kingdom is advancing on this planet. He wants to maintain and preserve what you built. He wants you to have posterity in everything that you do on this planet, that what you do doesn't just die with you, but it keeps going and it keeps growing. And on the mountain of the Lord, there can be preservation for your legacy. Somebody say amen. So let's pray this. Let's pray this prayer. I know a mom that was, let me just, let me just share this quick story. I know this mom that was struggling and she called me up on the phone. She's like, my daughter, she's 16. I just, a couple weeks ago, I caught her boyfriend in the bedroom with her in the middle of the night. She's, he's been sneaking in. She runs out. She's not, she don't want to go to school. She's talking about dropping out and moving out with him. She's just, I found drugs in her bedroom. She hates me. She won't do a single thing I say. And I don't know what to do. Pastor, will you pray with me? I said, absolutely, I'll pray with you. But I have an idea for you. There's a youth meeting tonight. And I said, and I want you to do this for me. If you ever won one war, if you ever won one battle with your daughter, I want you to drive her down here and lock her in the room in that youth meeting. I want you to stand outside the door and do not let her leave even if she has to go to the bathroom. Now listen to me. Listen to me. And then I want you to pray that God moves on her heart. So she did this thing. She brought this daughter down, 16 years old, this a couple years ago. And wouldn't you know it that during the worship service, that daughter walked the aisle and she knelt before the living God and she wept and she gave her life to God and she gave up her drugs and she gave up her wrong relationships. And one night, God preserved her seed, preserved for her legacy. Now that that girl went on to Bible college. I just saw her two couple weeks ago, still in the church, still praising God, still living the right life. Look what God can do. What does it take? Let's pray and expect it. This is what, this is what God's promise is for your seed. He said, I will make a covenant between you and I and between your seed and your children and your children's children. And then he says this, and he says, I will be their God. You might have got born again yesterday, but God still promises that he saves you and your entire household. So let's pray and expect the promise because today you didn't come to just any mountain, but you came to the Mount of the Lord. And on the Mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Right now, let's pray in all those prodigals. Let's just pray in all the children 
Let's also pray the preservation of businesses and things that you've built. But let's pray in those prodigals right now. They're coming back to the Lord. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we stand on this promise that you said in, the, in your covenant with us that you also would be our children's God. And I thank you, Father God, that that promise is happening. We expect it to happen. You're bringing people into their lives, leading them back to you. Lord, you're, having them, you're giving them dreams. You're calling them back to your house, Father God, in Jesus' name. And also the preservation of everything that we built, that there is legacy through the people at Living Word. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. Do you receive it? Now, I'm not done preaching, though. Yeah, so Hannah, she comes, she, she's barren. She's not able to have children. You know what she went? She went to church. I talked about Hannah last week, but I didn't really bring this particular point out, did I? You know where she went? She went to church. And she went to church, and there she was at church, and she went to the, the gate of the temple, and she was weeping, and she cried, and she prayed. She prayed that she wouldn't be barren anymore. And Eli, the priest, happens upon her, and this is what Eli says. Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. Now, say agreement. So that's what it took. She'd been, this is not the first time she's ever prayed for kids. But when she can't, see, sometimes I have found in my own life, I pray and I find answers happening here. I pray in the car, pray with my family, pray at home. I've prayed lots of places and seen God move. But I have found that most of the largest moves of God in my life have happened at the house of prayer. See, there's something different about when I get around somebody and I have some agreement. I remember me and my wife, we couldn't have, we, weren't, we, we, we had been married a few years and we decided to start having kids. And, you know, it wasn't happening. There was no, month after month went by and let down after let down, she would, wouldn't be pregnant. And so for the younger people there, what I mean is the stork wasn't able to, uh, okay, so. <laughs> Praise God, the faith without works is dead. Okay, I didn't mean to say that. Okay, so, so there Month after month would go by, and then, and then we started going to the doctors. And then the enemy comes in your ear, and he starts to tell you, it's never going to happen. There's something wrong with you. It's your past. You are disqualified. You'll never have children. That's what the enemy starts to do in both of our ears. And, so, and we're young, and month after month goes by, and the doctors have her on some pills, and we're running tests, but nobody seems to know, and nothing's working. And, and we prayed. We prayed. We prayed. And there we are one night at a Sunday night church service and worship was going on and you're praising God. And it's, you know, when, when you get in God's house, God starts to move stuff around on the inside of you, you know, and you start to sing those words and you got that declaration of God's promises going out from that. Things start to happen in the ears of the hearer in terms of your faith. And you have these moments where suddenly you're moved into a posture or position to finally receive that thing that God had already given you, but you need the breakthrough. And they said from the pulpit, why don't you come forward and pray with one of these great couples here? And we went forward and we prayed with these people, Chaz and Yvonne Harrell, never forget them, unable themselves to have children on their own, praying over us. And we, they prayed that we would have, that, that, that she would conceive. You know, the promise is the fruit of your womb will be blessed. That's one of the promises. So that, that's not just kids. That's things we birth. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. You birth businesses. You birth dreams. We birth things. In our, and sometimes those things aren't coming. And like Hannah, that wasn't coming. But when Eli agreed with her in prayer, wouldn't you know it? She cleaned herself up, got into expectation, and got pregnant. She ended up with seven children. In the same way, something happened in that prayer. We left with expectation. We left having that bump of agreement. We left having a little more faith than we had had. Maybe it was just a mustard seed, but wouldn't you know it, it was the very next month 
that we got pregnant with Christian Anderson. Somebody say amen. Gift from God. We got our breakthrough. Why? Because on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Can I get an amen? amen. You know, when Hannah was there at church that day and, and getting her miracle, uh, her, she came there with her husband, and, and her husband's had another wife, which is a whole other drama, and her name was Penina. And she had lots of kids. She's just having kids all the time. And, and then she'd rub it in Hannah's face at church. They were at church, and there's Panina rubbing it in Hannah's face. The Bible literally says that she was taunting Hannah, putting her to shame. Like, and in those days, it was, even, it was, it was a quite a bit of shame for the woman that wasn't able to have children because this was like, I don't know, it meant that God was with you and God had abandoned. She felt like Hannah had reproach on her, like God had abandoned. You know, you can come to God's house and when things are going wrong in your life, Satan will try and keep you out of church because people are going to think, well, everybody knows what's wrong with you now. God's not with you. They know. They saw. You don't have the faith. You didn't receive it. And you come to church and you get around people who are like, how, how are you doing? And I've done this too with my own mouth. I say, I'm blessed and highly favored, too blessed to be stressed. Well, you know what? That's true. And I declare it, but sometimes I come to church broken. Sometimes I come to church hurting. I want to come to church with a need. You want to know why I want to come to the church with a need? Because on the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Because my Jesus is walking around looking for needs. That's what Jesus did. He walked through a town. He's looking for a crippled man. He's looking for people that need forgiveness. Oh, you're in shame. You need forgiveness. That's what he looks for and targets the ones who have the greatest needs. I don't mind coming into God's house with the need. And Hannah had to face that shame. She had to face that, that battle with Satan, trying to tell her of the reproach that she had. And she had to face a person that was being hurtful in church. Is that fair that that stuff happens in church? No. But here's my point. Don't ever let another person have so much power over your life that you give them the power to keep you out of God's house to get what God has for you. Come on and give the Lord some praise. I know that there's hurt in the church. I know that there's people who will be hurtful in the church, but don't give people the power to keep you from planting where God wants you planted and keep you out of the position of your provision. Somebody give the Lord an amen. Thank you, Lord. And Jesus, uh, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 49, it's a story when he was 12 years old, his parents had taken him to church. And then uh, they were done and they left, but Jesus stayed. Jesus stayed at church, and then, and then the parents, they didn't notice he was missing for a while, and so they had to come looking for him. They left the city and came back to the city, and then, and then they're searching everywhere, and mom's frantic. They finally come into him, and they're, they're, they're all stressed out, and this is what Jesus says. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had, say had, I had to be in my father's house. Now, if anybody had a good reason to not like church, it was Jesus. Because every time, almost every time he went, they tried to kill him. But did you know that it was custom, it was his custom to be in the church on the Sabbath? He wasn't there seven days a week, but he was there one day a week and he never missed. Jesus was saying, I have to be in the church. That's, where, that's how I do this, right? This is my body. The body of Christ is the church. And so I take my body, so I, I have to, I don't have any choice. I have to be there. And Jesus is in you. So there's this thing in, that's why you're here. 
That's why, you, that's why you take a shower and get up and you get kids ready and you jump through all these hopes to come to the mountain of God. That's why you, you fiddle around and figure out how to YouTube. You didn't know how to YouTube until this all started. And now you're, now you're all fluent. You're like, yeah, I'm going to live stream some stuff. because you got so, Why? Because you wanted to go to the mountain of God. You come, you drive here, and, you, and, you, and you're in the parking lot. And, and, you're, and why? Because you know the power of the mountain. But because Jesus is on the inside of you. And he's like, you know where I want to be this weekend? You're like, I want to be at the lake. And she's like, you know where I want to be this weekend? I want to be at church because I know at the lake we'll have some fun. But at church, you're going to get the thing that you need. Somebody say amen. The provision's coming to you. The wisdom is coming to you. The information to make the right decision is coming to you. The miracle is coming to you. That faith that you need, that mustard seed faith is about to get planted in your heart and change your life forever. I want to be in God's house. That's what Jesus was saying. And he dragged you there. But, you know, Satan, he don't like that. He don't want Jesus in the church. He certainly don't want you in the church. And, and when Jesus talked about, somebody just go and go. That was the longest, I love that honk right there. Jesus, when he used the word church in the Greek, he, he, the, the word that's used in the, in the word of God in the Greek is ekklesia, or ecclesia, however you want to pronounce it. Ecclesia, there's a lot of different ways you could say it, but the point is, is that if you look up the definition, he could have used a lot of words for church. He could have used a word like home or house, or he could have used all those kinds of words. But he, he could have used the word temple. But he used this very unique word for church. And, and the definition of this unique word is those called out of their homes to an assembly to gather. And, and see, I can have my breakthrough rate at my first church, my house my home and family. I can praise and worship God in the car. I don't need to be here to pray. I don't need to be here to praise and worship. I don't need to be here to read the word of God. But when Jesus talked about the church, he knew that we, would, we, would have, that, that we ourselves are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But also it says in the book of Ephesians that you and I are being knit together in unity and love that we might come together in which the whole building rises up to become a holy temple, us together in which the Spirit of God lives. It's both. And so often you hear, well, I don't need church. I don't have to go to church to do that. I can just do that at home. So I love that Jesus was so careful to use this word to say, no, no, no. I know what you're saying, and you can totally worship me at home, and you should. But I do want you once a week to plant in this spot and to be committed in this way, just like I was, just like I showed you, that every single week, no matter how busy I was and what I was up to, and trust me, Jesus was busy, he made sure to be in the synagogue on the Sabbath, as was his custom. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. In 1 Samuel chapter 21, David's in a tough spot. He's running. The king's trying to kill him. He's anoint David's anointed to be king, but he's not king, and King Saul got jealous of him, and David had been an armor bearer and a general and a victorious person, and he's on the run. The first place David runs, wouldn't you know it, is church. And when he gets to church, it says that he got bread and a sword. It's the same thing for you today. See, when you're in trouble, a great place to run is church. It's God's house. And David knew, you know what I really need? I need bread and a sword. That bread is the bread of life. It's the wisdom and the answers we need for direction. How many know that if you had all the answers and all the right choices for every direction and every turn you would make, you'd never get it wrong? And it's in God's house that you get the real answers. Did you know you can't get the real answers watching Bridgerton? You can't, you can't 
Is that like an inside joke? Nobody really got that one. It's a show on Netflix. You can't get the inside answers watching the news. You're not going to get the inside answers at, at whatever.com, but you are going to get the inside answers at God's house because he says this, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to those in the heavenly places. That's you and I, the spiritual beings. What do we get when we come to God's house? The manifold wisdom of God. The bread of life is coming to give you wisdom. But he also got a sword. David got a sword, the sword of Goliath, the sword that, he, that would represent the victory he had. That sword is also representative of the word of God. And it is power, right? The sword is the sword of the spirit. He got the bread, the wisdom, but he also got the sword, the power. We need both in this crazy, topsy-turvy world that we live in. We need both bread and we need a sword for every single day of our lives. And so it's not good for us to allow Satan to get us out because of hurt, because of bitterness, to derail us, make us think we don't need church. Instead, it's better for us to realize that God's word is true, that Jesus worked so hard to establish this gathering place that we might be able to have this. We live in a country where we're able to, for the most part, in Arizona, freely gather and watch on the stream and be in the parking lot. Let's take advantage of all these freedoms that we have. Somebody say amen. David said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. We went uh, on a ski trip to Greer, over the new year, and as we were in the, the got to the cabin, um, the, the Google Maps stopped working, everything stopped, my data went crazy, and I even said to somebody, I was like, hey, my, my map doesn't point where the house is that we're supposed to stay at, the VRBO we rented. And, and she laughed at me, she said, yeah, Google Maps doesn't work here. <laughs> I was like, what are we, in the Bermuda Triangle or something? So she's like, yeah, you gotta go down there, hang around. She gave me like directions and I had to like look for, you know, old man Ted's old shed and stuff and turn when I'm in the middle of nowhere and, and there's no data and there's no Wi-Fi and there's no nothing. And we walk into this little bitty cabin and there's, there's eight of us staying uh, there and we brought in a truckload of food from Costco because you know, we were too far away from like going even out to eat really. And so we're loading in all this food, but there's no heat and it's freezing cold and my protector like, thing went off and the husband, you know, where you're like, it's too cold in here. So I start looking for heaters. There is no heater. It's like 40 degrees in this house and the sun is setting and the office where we rented it from is closed. And I'm like doing the math. We got to figure out how to get this. There was a fireplace. I thought, well, is this fireplace capable of heating this whole house? I don't think so. I don't know. So I'm kind of stressed out, but my kids aren't stressed about the temperature. No, no, no. My children are stressed that there's no Wi-Fi. <laughs> Well, what are we supposed to do, Dad? We got no Wi-Fi. And I'm trying, I'm trying to find a heater. I'm like, well, just use your data. They're like, my, we got no cell service, Dad. What do we do? So, so Katie, in particular, Katie's like, I need to call Christian Pruitt, right, her fiancé. And I, she's like, I need to call him right now. I'm like, what is it, what is it with young love? Like, what are you, you haven't seen each other in like two hours? It's so cute. So I'm like, okay, you have to call him right now. I don't know what to tell you. And then I was like, oh, landline. Try the landline, Katie. And she goes, what's a landline? <laughs> So I grabbed the phone right there and I said, here, just dial his number. And I, now I leave to go try and find like some little, maybe they have electric heaters in the closets or something. I could plug in the wall. I'm looking for heaters. But I hear her yelling, it won't work. It's not working, dad. What's wrong with it? I'm like, I'm like I don't know. Well, what are you doing? She's like, I'm dialing the number. And I was like, well, do you have a dial tone? She goes, what's a dial tone? I'm like, I have failed as a father. You have never used one of these phones before? And I was like, you have to hit this talk button 
And then it'll go bzzz. She's like, okay, okay, it's going bzzz. I'm like, I feel like a, a tech person. Like I'm teaching, I'm teaching the younger generation how to use tech. I felt pretty strong about this. So she, you know, so, so she dials it with still not going through. You have to dial a one first. Why would you have to dial a one? These are all lessons that you younger people need to hear. You have to dial a one for long distance. What was she trying to do though? She was actually trying to guide uh, her fiance, he was going to come up and stay with us at the cabin. She was trying to guide him up to the cabin. Like, this is where we're staying, you know? We had a room just for him, obviously. And then, but he's trying to come up to, to get to the storehouse because all the food is there. All the food in the storehouse. And there was an urgency to get her safely there because it was going to be dark before it got too cold. There was snow supposed to happen that night to come and get where the food and the warmth might be. I got the heater working, I, I did the pot belly stove thing and heated the whole house, that all ended up really well. And then, then there came this moment where he was close enough but all of our cell phones stopped working. He, he couldn't call us, we couldn't call him. We couldn't even call him on the, the landline because his cell phone stopped working. So I said, baby, let's get in the car. So we got in the car, because we know that Google Maps isn't gonna get him here. So we just get in the car and start driving. Sure enough, I mean, it's not like there's a lot of headlights out there. Sure enough, there's just headlights. I see headlights, I flash my brights, he flashes his. We figure out how to get to each other on these dirt roads. Then I lead him in back to the house. And here's my point. There should be an urgency among us who know where the provision is to bring in those that need provision before that darn sun sets. Come on, somebody. Before it's too late. And people are hurting right now and they need help. And we know what the, the, where the mountain of the Lord is. We can bring them here. Let us have that urgency that my daughter had to bring them in. I can see that I'm out of time. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 17, Moses prophesied this. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. Say plant. See, he brings us in and he plants us. Where? On the mountain of his inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, Lord. Sanctuary, sanctuary, Lord. Your hands have established. You see, every weekend, once a week, you'll come here, you'll watch this, you'll tune it in, you'll be in the parking lot, and the declaration of God's inheritance will be made over your life. Where else do we go in our lives where the declaration of the inheritance of God is spoken over us, into our ears that our faith might be built, into our future prophesied that we might see a different result. Where else are you going to hear? Are you going to hear it at the bar? Are you going to hear it at the club? Are you going to hear it on the news? They're going to declare what God has done, what Jesus has given. Where else is your faith going to be stirred and that fire of your dream be reignited? Where else are we going to go to hear of the mountain of the Lord's inheritance? The Bible says in the book of Exodus that I will command my blessing upon you wherever my name is remembered. This is the house where God's name is remembered. The World Health Organization might remind you of the name COVID, but it is in God's house that we call upon the name El Elyon, the God Most High, El Olam, the Eternal God, El Shaddai, the God who meets my needs. And on the news, they're not gonna declare to you the right name. They're not declaring God's name. 
The things that we listen to that are hateful and divisive, these things are not declaring your future, but you come to God's house and you'll find out that he is Jehovah Elohim, your eternal creator. Jehovah Hosin, the Lord God, our God. Jehovah Elohim, Jehovah Jireh, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Jehovah Mekadishkin, my sanctification. Jehovah Nisi, my banner. Jehovah Rohi, he's my shepherd. Jehovah Rofika, the Lord God that healeth thee. Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. Jehovah Shama, the ever-present God. Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace I am. And Yehoshua, the name that is above every name. Jesus, that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the mountain of God's inheritance, standing and listening to the declaration of God's promises over my life and my future and my children and my children's children in Jesus' name. And if you receive it, shout out, I believe it. Amen. Well, thanks for watching today. And if you were to face eternity today, do you know what eternity looks like for you? And would you have peace with Father God? The good news is God has already offered the free gift of salvation to anyone who would believe in his son, Jesus. If you're ready to put your faith in Jesus and step into a new life, pray this prayer with me. Dear Father God, forgive me of all sin. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God who died for sin and rose from the dead. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, you are stepping into the kingdom of God and eternal life. Get into a great Bible-believing church. God bless you.